Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Called the people of God to be purchased by the blood of Christ, to have come and been part of the gathering of those who wait upon the Lord and wait upon his return. And the church that is doing your bidding, your work upon the earth to go to every place, to all people, in all places, and share this good news of the salvation that there is in Christ, of the kingdom that is to come, and your will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. For that is your pleasure. You said, fear not, my small ones. I, it has pleased the Father to give us his kingdom. That's, that's within his pleasure. Allow us to understand what this means. Allow us to grow in maturity. Allow us to no longer be infants and children and running to and fro and this way and that way without substance and without significance. And there's so many people on the earth that need what we have and what we have is sufficient, your grace, to be able to rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice and to have a full joy that's inexpressible and so much purpose and legacy that we're not wanting, we're not thirsty, we're not hungry. We are satisfied with the fullness of your goodness in our lives. For we have opened our mouth and you have filled it. You have answered our prayers. You have made our dreams come true. You have given us peace in the midst of a crazy world. You have preserved us in Christ, you have preserved us in your presence. While other people have lost their faith, we know in whom we have believed. And we are sharing that with anybody and anyone who will listen to us. Prosper your word in our hearts. And allow this to abound towards all those that surround us, starting with our own families. We pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. The mark of maturity, and, and just recently I... I picked up, uh, I saw one of Derek Prince's book on um, the topic of judgment. And, and I said, I need to brush up on this. I need to understand it with clarity because the mark of a mature person is his capacity to judge. And judge fairly and judge with understanding. And pretty much the word judgment is to draw a line between what is right and what is wrong. And when you're playing with that line, and when there's absence of judgment, there's great chaos. You can say amen. Come on. Amen. When there's not the proper line of what things that need to be decided, which that word decided means to, to cut. You know, they, they ask Solomon, what do we do with this child? Let's cut him in half, he says. Let's give half to one mother, half to the other. And... And, and, and the mother says, no, I'm willing to give her the baby. And then she says, you're, you're the mom. Give her the, give her the child. And they called Solomon a wise judge because he was able to, in a confusing mess, when everybody was, one of them was saying it's mine, the other one saying it's mine, and what do you do? And you're about to commit it. And he rightly judged. And so we, the Christian son and daughter and families of God and our children have to have the capacity to 
rightly judge, fairly judge, know when to judge, know when not to judge. We need to be the people that, that the world goes to to find sanity in a world of chaos. And I'll tell you why the world is chaotic, because no one is drawing the line where it goes. No one understands what it is to honor a father or to obey, and they want our parents to obey children. And so the line is everywhere, and God needs a people upon the earth that fully and rightly and, and soberly judges. And, and people hate that word. Why? Because we're living in a world where people don't want any accountability. They want to fudge on the lines and have nobody tell them. What? I'm, I'm doing okay. Look, I have a suit on. Everything is fine. You're out, of, you're out of order. You're not where you need to be doing what you need to be with whom God called you to do it. And so you're bringing up all these excuses, a husband and wife. I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. So we're, we've lost notion of what is right because we have failed to judge. And that word judge, and we're going to... Tonight, the Lord's Supper, it says, if, if, um, if you judge yourselves, God won't judge you. If you're able to know what God wants from you, then you don't have to get the backlash of his judgment. And we'll see that. And the Bible says, because you don't judge rightly, you're weak and you're sick and you're going to die. Because that's what happens to people that don't have a proper understanding of, of judgment. They're in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people, and they're saying, I'm okay. And so we'll start with the premise of Proverbs chapter 28, verse 5. And it says, those that do evil do not understand judgment. If you're prone to wanting to do what's wrong, you don't want to be around people that are doing what's right. Because if you're around people that are doing this right, what you're doing that's wrong is going to look out of order. And it says, evil men do not understand. They don't stand under the righteous judgment of God. But those who seek the Lord, I love this verse. I mean, you know, the light's on when the Lord is around. And, and he even gives you a spirit of discernment to judge things that are not seen, uh, things that are unspoken. Things that are behind the scenes that you don't see and God gives you the capacity to a righteous judgment. And you're able to do and live and say and speak and see what God sees and what he wants you to do. And, and we, again, the mark of judgment is a call to maturity. We don't need an immature church no more. I had a pastor call me two weeks ago, a month ago. He says, what's wrong with tattoos? And I'm like, for people that don't want to live an exemplary life. If you're a pastor, you should live above the world's standard. And you shouldn't be upset because somebody tells you it's not righteous judgment. So I was on the airplane on the way back today, and it says this is the, the foundation the, the starting point of tattoos. Ready? Rebels, the circus, and the military. You ain't no soldier. Oh, the soldier. No, no. Rebels and clowns. People who despise the goodness of God. 
the temple of the Holy Spirit. So if, if the foundations of the things are twisted, then everything on top of it must be. First um, John 4, 1, the Bible says, do not believe every spirit. There's a lot of things moving around that, that they influence and they, they're pressing you into a direction. The, the Bible says, do not go with it. You don't know what's behind the scenes, but test the spirits. Find out whether they're from God. How would you even know? We need to know. We need to be a standard, a reference in a world where nobody is, you know, if there's something that really um, is muddling the water. And the Bible says that evil people, they muddle the water. They don't want anything to be rightly sliced. So they'll tell you, I don't know. I don't know. Well, why haven't you found out? Why didn't you go find what, you know? And I, I know why, and this is, the, this, is the, this is the climate of our generation. As long as nobody knows, we can continue to do what's wrong. You can say amen right there too. If it's, there's no clarity, then there's no right decision. So the best thing is to say, can't judge. Bible says don't judge. And they memorize that verse, don't judge lest you be judged. That's their favorite verse. And the truth of the matter is, they don't have a clue. Their life reflects they don't have a clue. And they're passing on confusion. They have no direction. And the reason why they don't have direction, because it allows them to do whatever they want. Do not believe every spirit. Prove the spirits, whether they're from God. Because prof, false prophets have gone out into the world. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, False prophets verse spirits, uh, just a, a confusion. Verse 2, but this you know, the Spirit of God. This you know by the Spirit of God. I want to, what allows us to make right judgment is to be filled with the Spirit of truth. It's not, it's not a church that's going to do this for you. It's not hanging around with a pastor. It's not calling yourself a world changer. It's filling yourself up with the Spirit of God. So that even if your mother and brothers come looking for you, you say, these are my brothers and, 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 and mothers. Those that do the will of God. That was a powerful time in the life of Christ. Because things are going to be pulling you in every direction. And you need to love truth and be filled with the Spirit of God. And all spirits, every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. The Lordship of Christ. In other words, there is no confusion when you're filled with the Spirit of God. And nobody's going to take you for a ride and deceive you. Galatians 1.8 says, even if an angel comes and, and tries to convince you, this is a, even if the most eloquent preacher and messenger, an angel from heaven preaching another gospel to you than what we have preached to you, figure it out and let him be cursed. This is something that you need to do if somebody's pulling you in a direction that is contrary 
to what you have learned. This is, this is powerful. Um, as Oscar and Isabel are in Nicaragua, uh, many pastors are speaking a lot of things. But they could discern those spirits. And the spirit of truth speaks. And, and judges fairly and, and draws the line where it goes. And brings people out of confusion and out of chaos. Colossians 2.8. He says, see to it that no one deceives you. To cheat you out through some philosophy. How many of you will lose your witness just because you have one more conversation with someone who has no clue? And, and this has happened in this church a lot. Uh, we've been preaching now for 15 years, and somebody just shows up out of the blue and says one little story, and the guy is gone. That's, that's 15 years against one conversation. 15 years, one conversation, and they're out. And they can't even tell where they're going. And they're cheated. They're cheated. They've walked away from their inheritance. They've been deceived. It says, empty deceit. There's no promise there. According to what men are up to occasionally, the traditions, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Um, I was talking to the young man who dropped me off at the airport this morning. He says he's leaving He's been working at the ministry for five years at Powerhouse, and he's going to go work for the world because somebody told him that he needs a career, and he needs to, um, and I told him, listen, God is preparing you to be a prince. And if you have a place where they're busting your chops and disciplining you and correcting you and holding you accountable, that's preparation for a man of God. To be in a place where they don't correct you, where they don't discipline you, where they could care less if you come or go, that's not a good place to be in. I want to be in the Lord's easel. I don't want to run to a place where the Bible says in the last days men will be itchy ears and they will mount up teachers to tell them what they want to hear. I want to hear what God wants me to hear, not what I want to hear. And if I don't judge between one and another, I'm, I'm, I'm cheated according to the basic principles in the church of Colossians there was so much mixture in that church because it sat between three cities and everybody was talking about angels and they were talking about spirits and they were talking about sacrifices and so he's like hey you guys better have discernment to judge rightly you better walk in a manner that is excellent the Bible says that that even ministers who come across, it's 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. He says, even if an angel should appear to you, be careful. You haven't been able to judge. You haven't been able to discern the weight of matters. And so something that, that has a physical transformation power to look like a messenger that's full of light. Verse 13, let's go to 13 real quick. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no wonder, verse 14, even the devil appears as an angel of light. And then verse 15, therefore it's no great thing that if his ministers transform themselves and they're, they're moving into the ministry as ministers of righteousness and they say they're preaching Christ, whose end will be according to their works. 
Verse 16. I say again, let no one think me a fool. If otherwise, at least receive me as a fool that I also may boast a little. And he starts talking about his genuineness and his legitimacy. So there's guys that are selling ministry that is, it looks like the real thing. But its fruit is rotten. Romans 16 verse 17 says they don't serve Christ. These guys, now I urge you brethren, note those who are separating and uh, causing divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you've learned. Avoid them. Verse 18. For those who are such do not serve Christ as Lord. They're serving their own interests, their belly, smooth words. They flatter with their speech. Their hearts are simple. The hearts of the simple. They're, 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 they're having a following of people that don't have two depths of understanding what's behind. The church in Corinth, Corinth was full of people that had no capacity to judge. And in fact, in that letter, several times, Paul tells them, don't you understand that you're going to be responsible for judging angels and you can't even decide things amongst yourselves? And so he says in 1 Corinthians 3.1, I could not talk to you as mature people, as people filled with the Spirit. I could not speak to you as spiritual mature people, but as carnal people, as spiritual babes in Christ. You guys don't have any capacity to pull this thing together. Those who are mature, chapter 2, verse 15, he says, the person who is spiritually mature judges all things. This is the verse that no one is going to talk. Don't judge lest you be judged. No, no, no. If you're mature in your judgment, slice the pie. Cut it where it goes and cut it good. Nail it down to where it goes. Because if you don't, it just creates havoc. It creates chaos, confusion. Then you start arguing with where does it go. Yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. He's not, he's, his scrutiny has already been done up front. He has nobody calling him out of place, in other words. He's living according to God's heart. And so Judges chapter 2 verse 16, in the Old Testament we get a glimpse for those that, that, the order of God in these matters. Why is it important to uh, grow into world-changing judgment and to mature and to have a grasp on this? Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges. Well, go figure for uh, a people who say they, they're from God, but no one could judge me. No one knows my heart. Who? Yes, my friend. Yes, we can. We see the fruit. And it smells rotten. It's out of place. It's out of order. Um, Derek Prince says it like this. Anyone who is stripping your family from honor is out of place. Anyone who subtracts honor from a name and from a house and from a family is out of order. We haven't been called to that. So God will raise up judges. Nevertheless, the, you know, please highlight this in your Bibles because you're supposed to teach this stuff when somebody out there asks you. Bring your Bibles to church. Underline these scriptures. Memorize them. He gave them judges who delivered them out of their enemies. Listen. 
When the line is being drawn, you get to leave the enemy's camp. He doesn't have a grip on you. He doesn't have a claim on you. The prince of this world is coming and he has nothing on me. I'm scotch clean. And this is the one that stands before the throne of God day and night accusing, accusing. So you don't want to be out of order. You don't want to be far from God's desire. So he says he raised up judges to deliver them out of the hand of their enemies. Verse 17. This is God. He's bringing judges to his people. Yet they would not listen to their judges. God was giving them people to slice the pie. I know if I don't meet with these people, then I can do whatever I want. Because they're going to judge. They're going to they're say, what, what is the scenario? So then he goes, but they played the harlot with other gods and bowed down to them. They turned quickly from the way in which their fathers walked in obeying the commandments of the Lord. They did not do so. Verse 18. And when the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to compassion and to pity by their groaning because those who oppressed them and harassed them. Listen, there's nothing more oppressive than you being in the wrong state of mind, the wrong place with the wrong people thinking that you're okay. You know, um, judges, referees, and umpires become a problem to those who think they're good baseball players and basketball players and soccer players. Because if I could run out of bounds, I get a touchdown. Unless there's a referee there and he says, hey, buddy, back on the 20. You stepped out of the line. So people that don't like judges, people that don't like accountability, people that don't like to be told. Tony Evans' son went out to a basketball court and he dunked it. He brought his father out. And he says, Dad, look, I'm dunking already. He goes, yeah, on a six-foot basket. Call me when you're serious about what you're doing. Quit playing games. Call it for what it is. For the Lord was moved to pity. Verse 19. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they reverted and behaved more twistedly than their fathers by following other gods to serve them and bow down. They did not cease from their own doings nor from their stubborn ways. And let me tell you something just so if we're missing it. This is ingrained in our nature. Everyone has a semblance of wanting there not to be any police on the road, no pastor in the church, no dad at home, no IRS in government. And so this is why God is talking to us tonight that he desires for us to have the mature capacity to grow up and understand what he wants from us. Philippians 1.9 says, it's my prayer, Paul writing to the Philippians, that your love for God may abound more and more with knowledge and discernment. That your love may grow more and more with knowledge and all discernment. Why would he be asking for us to have better love, better knowledge, better discernment? Verse 10, that you might judge... 
the things that are excellent. Is, is there an excellent way to serve Christ or is all Christianity the same? You, you answer that. Is there a difference between a guy who gives the Lord his tithes and he who doesn't? Is that the same? Is going to church and being faithful at the midweek service the same of just being the Spanish translation? Ready? Dominguero. Sounds like some mango vendor on the side of the road there. Dominguero. Is there, is there a service to God which is excellent by being faithfully like Caleb 100%? What is that? Where are those people? Absolutely, it's us. If it's not us, it's nobody. It has to be somebody. I need to judge what is the excellent manner of serving, knowing, and living for Christ. Otherwise, don't judge, lest you be judged. That's, that's that, that, that famous door into the back lot where you could do whatever you want. And the truth of the matter is that we've been called to grow up, to mature, to be spiritual, to understand the proper use, because just like there's a proper use of judgment, there's an improper use of judgment. And there's a wrong way to go about it. And, and this is why God has us going over this again. That you might know what's more excellent, what is pure and blameless, so that when you come from Christ, he doesn't say, buddy, you thought you were an animal. You thought you were like amazing. And you aren't invited because somehow in your brain it got warped and you saw yourself doing good and living for God and you're out of the boundaries you're not part of the team and so God wants us to understand this Hebrews 5 14 solid food is for the mature well who are these people those who judge rightly and can, di can distinguish between good and evil Solid food, I want to tell you this because this is important, serious spiritual entrustment. In other words, God wants us to grow up so that he can give us more serious responsibility because you don't give adult responsibility to children. You don't, you don't invite them to come and do the big things you have when they're acting like children. It says the solid provision is for those that are mature, full of age. Those who can be traced to use their senses to judge between right and wrong. I told this young man on the way to the airport, everything you're being trained up to do is that you be an excellent servant of Christ. And you're taking it like if it's a personal attack on your personality. It's not. This word tonight is not anything else than God is perfecting our understanding of how necessary judgment it is in our life, in our church, in our family. And let me tell you something. It's a curse to not judge rightly. It's a curse to not be able to draw a line when a line needs to be drawn. Because you're being nice. I don't judge anybody. 
I don't know if it's right. I don't know if it's wrong. 1 Timothy 6.3 says, If anyone teaches anything different than the sound words and does not agree with those words that the Lord Jesus taught us according to godliness, this man is proud and conceited, and he understands nothing. Verse 4. He is proud knowing nothing. Who did we say knows nothing in Proverbs? The evil person. The wicked person. Doesn't understand anything. But the righteous are fully persuaded. They understand what's going on. They know what time of day it is. These, are, these men are obsessed with disputes and arguments over words. They, they come to envy, strife, rivalry, evil suspicions. They're just saying this because they want... They, they don't have, they, the Bible says in verse 5, they are deprived, useless wranglings of men, corrupt, destitute of truth. They don't care what truth is. They care who's right and who's wrong. I, that's a serious problem. I want to know if I'm right or wrong, not who's right or wrong. I don't want to win an argument. From such people that don't, I don't have a capacity to, to be able to bring matters to resolve to judgment, to a decision, don't have anything to do with those people. They, they, don't, they don't ground themselves. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show yourself approved. Learn, mature, grow. For a man needs not to be ashamed, but he should draw, rightly divide the word of truth. You, you should have wisdom. And your capacity for wisdom is drawing the line where it goes. And guess what? If, if drawing the line where it doesn't go is a curse, then drawing the line where it goes is a blessing. Go ahead and say that. Drawing the line where it goes, it's a blessing. It doesn't care who it hurts and what happens. It's a blessing. Because something else is called flattery. That means you're doing what's wrong and people are saying, you're, you're still cool. That's flattery. And the Bible says flattery is a curse. A young man who can't tell his best friend quit smoking marijuana. He doesn't want to rub him wrong. is a curse for him. But it's a blessing to have somebody that can speak to you. I want to read um, Psalm 82. Where the Bible says in verse 2. That God has an issue with those people who are his people, how long will you judge unjustly? How long are you going to keep, uh, continue to flip around your whim where, you know, you're the only one that follows that, that, that monopoly scenario? There is no consistency. There's no genuineness. Nobody could walk with you for 20 years. No one could see your life as a witness. For, and, and there's a lot of pastors like that. I was two years in India, and I was one year in Afghanistan, and I was one year in the South Pole. And you're like, Man, where's the consistency long term for you to live so people could witness your life? Witness your life. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to those that are wrong, twisted? Verse 3. Defend the poor and the fatherless. Stand up for somebody other than your family. Stand up for somebody other than, 
then uh, do justice to those that are needy and afflicted. Verse 4, deliver the poor from the needy, free them from the hand of the wicked. Judge righteously even if it cuts against the grain. Verse 5, they do not understand, nor do they, uh, they do not know, nor they understand. They walk about in darkness, and every foundation that's upon the earth for the purpose of building is out of place. In other words, if you're going to build a marriage, you need to have a righteous judgment on either party's participation to build something on a right foundation. And if you twist it, you can't build anything. You're building on sand. This is not right. There's no fruit. There is no there is no. Um, flourishing he says every foundation of the earth is out of course unstable you can't build on it why it started out with the lack of proper judgment the lack of being able to say the guy and and a friend of mine who's a pastor over there he has an 18 year old daughter and he says this guy had the guts to come and ask me for my daughter and he doesn't have a job and he doesn't he hasn't studied and he he has I'm like, tell them truth. Put that line right where it goes. You're not ready to be asking for my daughter. It's not the season. It's not right. What you're doing is out of place. You can't build on that. It's not going to prosper. There's no success. It's not going to flourish. And then you have some people say, well, is my daughter really, 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 really likes him? Thank God this pastor didn't say that, but, but some people will. They will move judgment according to the, you know, the sentiments of the flesh. They're the, ay, purisito, purisita. I feel sorry for him, so I didn't judge. I didn't say what needed to happen. And it becomes a curse, and everything's out of whack. Proverbs 20.10 says, those things that are not in their proper place are an abomination to God. When things are dismeasured, when there's diverse weights and diverse measures, both a false measure and a false weight and you, oh, pastor, you're treating this too heavy. Well, guess what? You're treating it too light. And we need to give it its right measure because it's life or death. If I, and this is the illustration the Lord gave me some years ago. If I tell a person, one, two, three, you can take three steps and you're fine. And somebody says, no, he can take four. He can take four. Four is out here. That measure breaks a leg. That's an improper measure, and it causes a curse. It causes destruction. So if you say, well, I don't want to tell him what it is, but I'm not going to tell him what it is. Let him figure it out as he goes along. Who are you to judge? Judge not, lest you be judged. And you're like, are you serious? You're going to allow somebody to break their leg because you don't have the character of Christ. The stature of righteousness, the desire to be passionate about what God is passionate about. Proverbs 16, 11. Honest weights and scales are the Lord's. All the weights, all what he has determined right is right. And these bags are his work. What God says to take serious, take super serious. And what God says not to take serious then that's where you have the refreshing, to relax. 
But you better not relax when God is saying to take it serious. Proverbs 11.1. 1. Honest weights and scales are from the Lord's. You should want what God is thinking. Dishonest scales are an abomination. But a just weight is his delight. I, are we understanding tonight what God wants from us? For us to be laser sharp precision of what God wants, what he desires, to be able to not play with these things, to ask God, give me wisdom. Proverbs 20, 23. Diverse weights are an abomination to the Lord. And dishonest scales are not good. Not good. People, people play with their, with their scales all the time. I'm losing weight. Yeah, right. So, Matthew 7, 1, 5, when Jesus starts saying these words, judge not lest you be judged, he's talking about when you enter into this realm of being able to draw lines, be careful because it's a dangerous place. And you could hurt somebody. I can tell you that the... the um, the manner in which you could hurt somebody is that uh, the Levites needed to circumcise people. And that's an operation of the lower portions in the private places where they could not have an improper measure at that point because it would castrate a person. Oh, God doesn't want you to be a judge knocking people's heads off and cutting off their testicalia, rendering them use, un, unuseful unfruitful because you're a religious bigot because you, you haven't even figured out what's going on and you're already saying what it is. You haven't, you haven't prayed about it. You haven't thought about it. You haven't talked about it. You haven't meditated. You haven't come before the Lord. That's what Jesus is saying. You, you're real good about judging others, but you, you, you haven't measured the weight of who you are so that you might have the right compassion. Because this is, this is in the realm of judgment. Now we're getting a little bit closer. And so he says when you're going to enter into this, to this forum, it's a sacred forum. It's, it's, a, it's, it's really powerful. As God puts this in our responsibility, because if you're on a college campus and you just tell a young kid you're going to hell, you just condemned him with the judgment of hell, you, you haven't even preached the gospel to him. You haven't talked to him about redemption yet. And so we got to be super careful as we walk into this realm. And, and it's always better to wait and to look and to consider and to contemplate. And the Bible says, do not judge anything before time. Some things is obvious. It's past time. There's been no judgment. But other things is judge not. Don't go into this realm. Verse 2, we're reading Matthew 7, 2. He says, judge not lest you be judged, for with the judgment you judge, you will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Verse 3. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and not consider the plank in your own? Verse 4. Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look at the plank that's in your eye? Verse 5. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I want you to understand that judgment is the capacity you have to bring somebody to understanding 
blessing for their life. It's not, you're not coming to, to hurt them. The purpose of your judgment is not to condemn and to render, you know, cursed. It's to come in and bring clarity. But to have no judgment is to continue to allow them to walk in the direction of their destruction and not participate. So that is the first aspect. Jesus says when you walk into this realm, be ready because that same measure you use is coming back to you. Be ready because you should be taking care of your business because judging is taking care of business. But you should really take care of your business first and more as a priority. And you should be concerned. And a lot of people that run to judgment, they are out, they're, they're naked. They're like, look, he's, he's wearing a thong. Yeah, but you're naked. You're, you're out of order. A man came up to me and he says, my wife is talking with her ex-boyfriend. And I said, well, what were they talking about? Well, he was wishing her a happy birthday because I forgot. Well, I considered that you shouldn't be talking about her talking with her boyfriend about her birthday and grab the fact that you have neglected her to such a degree that the only greeting she got was from an ex-boyfriend. You can say amen. amen. So the judging scenario is one that we must... And Jesus said, listen, you're good. Jesus didn't say get out of this business because he's not into the business of chaos. He's not in the business of destruction. He's not in the business of letting people perish. So, so he wants judges to save us for, with a paradigm that's a blessing. Being able to, to have these people in our life is, is wise. Wise to have uh, these men in our lives. Um, Romans 2, 1, 3, he now talks to those who have learned all the right and wrong. They don't live it, but they're judging. So they, they, they're not doing what they say. They're just making sure they're picking everybody else out. So Romans 2, 2 let's go there, please. Romans 2, verse 1. He says, therefore, you are inexcusable, man, whoever you are who judge, for whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. Are you calling somebody out on what they're not doing, but you're not doing anything? Really? You're trying to hold somebody accountable, but you are above that accountability. So he's talking to the Jewish people who are looking at the... At the Gentiles and, and saying, look at all these things. And, and so he's, Paul is putting a stop on that practice, verse 2. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth. God is lined up with truth against those who practice such things, verse 3. And do you think, O oh man, you who judge these practices such things and do the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? This is not a realm to be playing around religious games. And that, 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 again, is not saying don't judge. That, again, is not saying that that realm of judging is a sacred place that nobody should go in. That means if you're going to go there, make sure there's the genuineness in your heart, the sincerity to be, to be walking in a manner that honors God and, and with great compassion you're, you're, you're speaking into somebody's life what you're doing. What, you're, what, you're, what you are living by example so that you're not off cue, so that you don't, aren't considered arrogant. Verse 3, 
We did that already, right? John chapter 7, verse 4, Jesus said, when we enter into this realm, remember he had first said, judge not lest you be judged, but John 7, 24 says, when you judge, do not judge according to appearance, but go a little bit further into the heart and judge righteously. Because a lot of us are quick to superficial and dagger. On the outside appearance, what it seems like, and kill the, the, the victim. Do not judge according to appearance. Don't be lighthearted. Um, go a little bit deeper. Try to find a sentiment of what's going on and, and, and put the things in their place, not according to what you thought or what they told you or what you assumed. Go a little bit deeper. A pastor's car got a flat tire in front of a, one of his church members' house, and an old lady was driving by, and she started calling everybody all night. The pastor is sleeping at sister so-and-so's house. I went by there, and I saw his car. That's a judgment by appearance. He wasn't there. He had a flat tire. He left his car there overnight. And then so the pastor got back at her, and he parked his car in front of her house the next week. Let's not judge things before their time. And the most beautiful thing, Jesus says, is judge them by their fruit. Let this thing be a seed. Let it be water. Let it be a tree. And then let it be, you know, oh, pastor, I want apples. Pastor, I want pastor, apples. And then when you, when you, when you get, pluck the lemons off and, and look, here's your wonderful apples. You told me you wanted apples, and, and here's a bunch of lemons. So what do we do? Repent. Take it to the full plate. Okay, fine. It's sad. It's sad. There's an aspect of judging that, that I want to really, and, I, and as a pastor, this, here's, here it is. Ready? I was talking to Pastor GF. I said, listen, I stand very strongly on this issue of tattoos on Christian men that are called leaders. But I don't have issues with people that grew up in the inner city who had no father and they had no school and they had nothing and they went to get a tattoo. And that to them is all they got. That's who they are. And if you say, oh, why'd you get it? Listen, they needed that tattoo before they committed suicide. So we're not judging the weak. We're not trampling the weak. We're saying there's a standard of God. And although the weak are weak and they're drinking water out of the sewer and out of the toilet because they're thirsty, we're not judging that. But that doesn't discount the standard of God. For those that are called to live the high call with high standards to attain the fullness of maturity. So that's the distinction of this one here in Romans 14 where I could understand, even, this is crazy, but I could even understand a pastor getting a tattoo when he's looking for an identity. And that gives him some semblance of I'm important or I'm cool or I'm trendy. Do, let's go to Romans 14, please, verse 1. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to dispute over doubtful things, verse 2. 
For one believes he may eat all things, the other eats only vegetables. Verse 3. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. Let him who does not eat judge him who eats. For God has received him. God has accepted him in this fallen, weak state. And then it says, verse 5, oh no, verse 4. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands. To his own master he falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand for God is able to make him stand. There are certain people that you could tell them, look, this is what the word of God says. This is what the spirit of God is saying. This is the standard of his righteousness. And at the end of the day, he stands or falls for God. And we, we cannot play with this thing. When I tell a man to leave pornography, and he doesn't. I tell a man to, to walk in a manner that honors God with his life, and he can't. I'm like, man. May the grace of God be sufficient for him. I want him to be where God wants him to be. I want him to enjoy the peace and the prosperity and the fruitfulness of being set free. And I've told him and I've spoken in his life that he's out of order. He's out of bounds. He's upside down. He's going to be stripped and the devil's going to chew him all his life. And the man continues to live improperly before God. That's not the issue. That's not the issue. 1 Corinthians, Paul tells the church, you guys are a bunch of children. You can't even judge a simple matter. 1 Corinthians 5, 5, for it is reported among you that someone is sleeping with his own father's wife. And he says, let's go to verse 1, please. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. People are doing things that are sexually improper. Such sexual, uh, sexual immorality as is not even named amongst the, even the people that don't know Christ. A man is sleeping with his father's wife. That wasn't the point where Paul says, well, you can't judge the guy because, you know, he might have had a sexual deficiency. No, 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 no. That's not what Paul said. He's weak, you know, he, he doesn't have a girlfriend. No. Verse 2. Are you so puffed up that you'd rather, not rather mourn, that he who has done this deed might be taken away among you? Verse 3. Aren't you sad about what's going on? For indeed, as absent in the body, I'm not there with you guys, but my spirit is there and I have already judged as though I were present. I don't need to hear anything else. Him who has done this deed, I have judged already. I've already determined. That's triple O, triple X. That's out of order to the max. Verse 4. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, coming back to Christ's conscience, when you are gathered together, this is something that you guys should do together, along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, get some backbone. Fill yourself with the spirit of truth. Become indignant with people that want to play with church. Deliver this man into the hands of Satan. For the destruction of the flesh. Let, let the consequences of his out of order, unmeasured, unweighed debauchery catch up to him. 
to save his spirit so he'll be ready in the day of the Lord. Because if he doesn't get the consequences to his actions, there's no hope of salvation. Let's ask the ushers to come forward. Um, how many enjoyed tonight with respect to, I need to, I need to, I need God to calibrate. I need God to tune me up so that I could become a reference and a standard to my generation, to my church, to my family, to, to the, my loved ones that many times I'm loving to death, literally. I mean, you're loving their family to death. Everything's okay. Don't worry. Don't Jesus loves you. And, and you're leading them to hell because you refuse to judge their spiritual condition in righteousness, in fairness, with all deliberate maturity in Christ. As the ushers come forward, we're participating with the Lord's Supper in Matthew and 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28. He says these words. He says, when you come to celebrate the Lord's table, do such, do so in such a way that you examine yourself appropriately. You know, come to account before the Lord. And he, he puts it upon us to, to be able to rightly do this. Having 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven, Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty, responsible of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man, verse 28, are we put the verses up there? 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight. 28. Let every man examine himself, and so let him eat the bread and drink the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, that's the, eats and drinks judgment to himself because he failed to discern the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak, sick, and many have even died. For if we would judge ourselves in this examination, we would not be judged. If we properly weigh our standing before God, then God doesn't have to come with judgment. If we judge ourselves, He won't judge us. But if we do not judge ourselves, verse 29, verse 30, 31, 32. But when we are judged, God deals with us by the Lord, that we might not be condemned with the world, that, that there not be an improper conviction, con condemnation. Father, we give you thanks for this table, and we ask you to bless it. We pray, Father God, that you make it a blessing to our lives, this table that represents your body and your blood that was broken for us that we might be united in communion celebrating that which is your pleasure in your heart and this cup Lord with, represents your blood that was poured out for the forgiveness of our sin Father we ask you to forgive us have mercy on us wash us with the blood of Jesus cleanse us restore us, renew us revive us Bring life wherever death has set its place. Bring strength where weakness has prevailed. Bring life where death is. 
We pray in Jesus' name, oh God, that this table would be celebrated in a manner worthy of what you did on the cross. As we are forever indebted to your goodness in our lives, you brought us back from hell and the grave, from sin and death, to a life of abundance and resurrection.